Good evening. How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for, uh, for having me tonight. Um, it is such a privilege and honor uh, to be with you guys worshiping. Um, I uh, visited uh, your church a few months ago for the first time, and I just, uh, it was just such a sweet time. Um, I was just bragging to all my friends about it. And that, when I, when I mean I was bragging, one of my friends is here, he can testify because it was such an amazing time that I had here that um, I just couldn't help but, but share with folks. And so, um, so I'm so thankful. And uh, this subject of what we're gonna be talking about, which is basically the pious priorities of parents, um, it's near and dear to me. And so uh, years ago when I heard that, uh, that, that parents can be equipped to disciple their kids at specific developmental stages of their life, I just thought that was so amazing. So I, I was brought up in an unbelieving household, and so it was, it was so comforting to hear that, that, um, that those resources are there, that when his word says that we've been given everything we need for life and godliness, so when the Lord poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5, that in that same pack, package of grace, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness, and in that, um, that we um, can know how to disciple, how we can disciple. So if you're a parent here today, if you're a single adult here today, um, even if you're a child, um, that uh, this message is for you. Um, so we're gonna talk about disciple making, but we're just gonna focus on disciple making within the home, but you can apply this to any stage. And so there's nothing more exciting than the kingdom. There's nothing more exciting than the kingdom. There's nothing more exciting than being a part of sharing the gospel and watching people get saved, going out there to your lost brothers and sisters and watching them get awakened by the Lord and that he saves them and that he fills them and then he changes them and that they look more and more like Jesus for their joy in him and his glory. And so um, I'm gonna need a lot of help tonight. And so I'm gonna pray. And if you can pray along with me, that'd be great. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just praise you and we just thank you, Lord. And Lord, we, we do not take um, for granted uh, the, the safety and the security that we're experiencing now when we think about the families in Ovalde, Texas, Lord, and just the tragedy that happened there, Lord. We are just so thankful that you are in control. We are so thankful that you are in control, that what people mean for evil, you use for good, Lord. And so we just ask that the God of all comfort would comfort those families there. We pray that this tragedy would not um, cause folks to go away from your son, but you would use it to draw them closer to your son. And so we just pray that you would empower the church that's around and, and within that entire city, Lord, that you just raise them, that you'd fill them with your spirit, that, that folks would experience your comfort through them. Lord, and... Um, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We thank you that you loved us so much. You are such a good father. And I thank you, Lord, for all the ways that you've been such a good father, that you did not withhold your son, but you freely gave him up for us all, Lord. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you lived the perfect life we couldn't live. You died the sacrificial death that we couldn't die, that you satisfied God's wrath because of our sin and our idolatry. And we thank you, Lord, that you rose from the dead, that you conquered sin, death, and the devil's hold on our hearts. Thank you for not leaving us as orphans, but giving us your spirit. And we just ask, Lord, that you would fill us. We pray that your spirit would speak to us through your word. We pray that your spirit would, would um, 
Convict us of the areas that we have fallen short. And Lord, we are so sorry for all the ways we've fallen short. So Lord, we lift up all the sins that we've committed with our minds and our hearts and our plans and our actions since our last confession. And we thank you that you are faithful and just will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if we just simply confess. And so we confess that to you. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would protect our time. That you surround us with your angels, you'd protect our time. So, Lord, I pray that um, you'd speak through me. I pray would not say anything that's not consistent with your word. I pray, Lord, that your sheep would hear your voice. I pray, Lord, that we would take stock of what our priorities are and that we would prioritize you above all things. Because who in heaven do we have but you? And on earth, there's nothing we desire but you. Our heart and our strength may fail, but you are the strength of our heart and our portion forever. And it's to that end we pray these things. Amen. Great, okay. Um, so when you read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, which um, was just read here, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, the, the, the answer that you will be able to have for this question will be obvious. The question is, what does God want to use to nurture a child's obedience? So again, from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hopefully the answer to this question, what does God want to use to nurture a child's obedience? Okay, so I'll open up an illustration. So I'm Filipino, and um, if you don't know much about Filipinos, we like our sweets. We don't just like them, we love them. We love our sweets so much. We love our sweets so much that my daughter named her cat Chocolate. Okay, so it shows you how much it is. In fact, in the Philippines, they prioritize sweets so much that when American restaurants come to the Philippines to franchise um, and to bring the restaurants there, they will actually add sugar in their entrees. Even Italian, even Italian. So I remember having some spaghetti and I tasted sugar in there. Like there's sugar in the tomato sauce. They, they just love sugar, they prioritize sugar. And so um, other priorities are safety. So it's a third world country, my dad grew up there. And so there are times where my dad had to deal with bullies and, and of course there's other um, there's other. Uh, safety issues. Anytime that when I was there in the Philippines and we went to the mall, um, my cousin would always warn me about certain places and stuff like that just because crime was so prevalent. Well, my dad wanted to prioritize safety. So when he came to the States, he wanted to make sure that his children were safe. And so one time in kindergarten, there was a first grader, and that first grader um, tried to bully me. And so, and my dad re responded with just sticking. Uh, my brother and I into this Korean martial art, okay, when I was in kindergarten. And so, um, and he just wanted us to get self-defense. Well, um, that actually turned into a highly competitive sport, and we wound up doing it from kindergarten all the way through middle school. And so, how much did my dad prioritize this sport? Well, it's 11 months out of the year. So you only get one month break. Um, and so, and eventually what happens, we were training seven days a week, we were traveling everywhere, we we're going to camps everywhere, and, um, and so if you were to look at my dad's time, how much he, he placed in it, if you look at his finances, you would see what his priority was. It was the sport. The sport was his priority. And my brother and I just followed suit. That was his priority, so we followed suit, and so, and, and so you can just tell that's what it was. And so... Um, at that time, no one in my family was saved. So it was clear what the idol was. It was clear what the idol was, right? And so thankfully, 
I have a verse that kind of transitions this. Um, it's in 1 Timothy 4, 8. For physical training is of some value, but spiritual training has value both in this life and the life to come. And so thankfully, uh, the Lord has saved almost everyone in my family but my brother. But my brother just told me a few weeks ago that he's on the verge of surrendering to Jesus. So if you think about me this week, please pray that the Lord would give him the grace because you need his grace. We are so depraved, we need his grace to save us. In fact, if he didn't choose any of us, no one would choose him, okay? And so we need his grace. So please pray for my brother Jay if you think about me. And so priorities, priorities. So today we're gonna be looking at Deuteronomy 6 through 4 and the answer to the following question, what does God want to use to nurture a child's obedience? And it boils down to priorities, the priorities of parents, okay? So when you look at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Who is he talking to right now? Who is Moses talking to right there? Adults, right? He's talking to the adults. And then later on addresses, hey, out of the, the adults, the parents, verse 6 is for you, and so on. So, um, so we're going to be talking about the pious priorities of parents. So this tonight... This sermon's gonna have three sections, the charge, the content, the carry-through. So the charge. So if you look at verse four, um, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is, is one. So that Hebrew word hear means shema. And, um, and what that means is to hear God in a way that births obedience. To hear God in a way that births obedience. Jack Deere, who's a scholar at Dallas Theological Seminary, he said, to hear God without putting it into effect, a command, is basically not to hear him at all. And so let's turn to some New Testament to give us help with the Old Testament, James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself, right? So we need to remember, though, in all our doing that our doing, our obedience must be fueled with devotion. Our obedience must be fueled with devotion. And you see this in Psalm 119, uh, verses 10 through 11. The psalmist says, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Devotion. Oh, let me not wander from your commands. Obedience. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Devotion. That I might sin against you. Obedience. You see how that goes hand in hand? So our obedience should be done from the heart. It should be done out of devotion. Verse four, the rest of verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. So if hearing means to obey, well then, what does it mean to obey that God is one? What does that phrase, that God is one, means? So Jack Deere, same um, scholar, says, the Lord is one means that the Lord Yahweh, that was his special, specific, personal name that he revealed to Israel, Yahweh is totally unique. He alone is God. He alone is God. So God's oneness means there's no other God but God. And on this side of the cross, we know his name is what? What's his name? Jesus. I think my daughter said it. Jesus, right? So um, repeat after me. There is no other God but Jesus. Let's say it again and say it with passion. There's no other God but Jesus. Amen. So what does it look like then? If we're to obey this, obey that there's no other God but Jesus, what is that actually supposed to look like? So it means that we're supposed to have no other gods but Jesus. So practically speaking, though, let's look at two ways 
that we can obey this, that our life can look like that this is something that we are surrendered to, right? Repeat after me, cherish and guard. Cherish and guard. So to cherish that Jesus is the only God, let's turn to some New Testament help to help us understand that. Matthew 13, 44, and the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, and when a man found it, in his joy, he sells all that he has to buy that field. And that word joy, hieros in the Greek, means an experience of gladness. So the way that we get super geeked out and super happy about things, this man, when he encountered the kingdom of God, he was filled with so much happiness, he sold all that he had to buy that field. That's how precious the king was to him and his kingdom, right? And so he is cherishing that Jesus is his only God. So when you cherish something, the first practical way it looks like is you, you make choices that puts him first. You make choices that put him first. And that's what we're seeing what he's doing. He, there's no guessing what his priorities are. There's no guessing when the, you look at his choices, what is his number one priority? It's Jesus, right? So an illustration to help you understand. So my friendship with my now wife, Corey, over 20 years ago, when it started developing into romantic feelings, I started to make choices that put her first, right? I started putting, making choices that put her first. I sacrificed time, I sacrificed finances to put her first. So now, practically speaking, what does this look like for you guys here today? So practically speaking, what does it look like for you guys here today? So Jesus is first in choices in how you spend your time and your finances. Do a stewardship journal. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, write down stewardship journal, okay? So you look at your schedule and you see, hey, look at how much time that you spend on whatever it is you spend the most that your time is on, right? Um, look at your bank and credit card statements, see how you spend your money. When you look at these choices, ask yourself, how do I spend my time and finances that express that cherishing Jesus is my top priority, okay? So another way that we can obey the fact that Jesus is the one and only God, right, is, um, is that we are going to cherish God his way. What is his way? Well, his way is to obey. So it's kind of circular, right? We're gonna obey and we're gonna cherish him, but we wanna cherish him in the way that he says it, and what does he say? To obey. So in Deuteronomy 6, it talks about uh, to love the Lord your God means to choose him for an intimate way, but to also to obey his commands. And there's nine other references in Deuteronomy that talk about um, loving God and obedience, right? And so um, in 1 John 5, 3, against the New Testament help, it says, for love for God is this, that you obey his commands and it's not burdensome. That you love, that to love him is to obey his commands and it's not burdensome. So love and law you see happening. Just as a, before I mentioned devotion and obedience, love and law goes hand in hand. God is not out there to produce legalists. He's not. When God saves someone, he produces worshipers. Worshipers, not mere rule followers. Worshipers, and worship comes from the old English word worthship, to describe worth to something, or in this case, someone. When you value something, when you find something precious, right? And so... Um, for a Jew during the time that Deuteronomy is written, when they're hearing this, to love God wholeheartedly, right, to cut the love from their heart, right, they see, you see that in verse five, with all your heart, meant to love in a way that pervaded every aspect of the Israelites' being and life. Three times, with all, with all, with all, right? And so, um, 
If we want to love God on his way, and his way is to obey. The third way that we're gonna cherish him, that we are gonna hear that the Lord is one, that Jesus is the one and only God, is you can ask the question, well, when do I cherish him? When do I cherish him? In the context of loving God in Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12, so the section right after what was just read, 10 through 12 says, hey, Yahweh's constantly warning the Israelites, hey, in your prosperity, don't forget me. In your prosperity, don't forget me. So how often do you want to treasure him and cherish him in all times? You want to treasure him when life pressures are on, and you want to treasure him when life leisure is on, both. Pressure and leisure. You want to, at all times, you want to cherish him. You want to make choices to put him first, right? You want to make choices and put him first. And the reason why I mentioned the stewardship journal is because when life is hard, right? When life is good, we often forget him. When life is hard, we often turn to other things, okay? And so... Um, so this leads us to the second practical way that we can obey um, that the Lord is one, that Jesus is the one and only God, is that there was two words I asked you to say. It was um, cherish, and what was the second one? Does anyone remember? Guard. There we go. Good. Thanks. Guard. Uh, guard. So going back to Matthew 13, 44, another reason the man sold everything to buy that field was to safeguard his treasure, was to safeguard his treasure, right? 1 John 5, 21, um, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay, keep yourself from idols. So how much should I safeguard my heart from idols? How much should I? Well, if you look at verse five again, there's one word repeated three times. What is it? One word repeated three times in verse five. All, there we go, thanks, all. So with your all in all, as you make Jesus your all in all, you wanna make sure that you fight idolatry with your all in all, okay? You want to make sure that you do that with your all in all. And the problem is, is our default setting is idolatry. We are born with the sin nature. So even if you're a Christian here today, guess what? Colossians 3.9 says that you still have an old man flesh from Adam, and that knee-jerk reaction is to turn to an idol. We don't give thanks to God. We don't acknowledge God. But in our idolatry, in our flesh, we suppress the truth and our righteousness and exchange the glory of God for things he made. We exchange the creator for creation. That's our default setting, especially when the pressure's on or leisure, okay? We will often turn to creature comforts and make that our, um, our creator. And we wanna guard our hearts. So that's our default setting. Um, we want to make sure that we are constantly committed to putting that off. So I'm gonna end this section, the charges application, okay? So the application for you guys, because if remember, if the primary source that the Lord wants to use from Deuteronomy 6 for your child's obedience is your passionate priority, um, then we wanna make sure, how do we do that, okay? Well, um, uh, Pastor Steve had told me that he provided some way for you guys to get have this, right? Drawing out the purposes of the heart. So however way that y'all are gonna look at that, please check that out. So these are great questions, um, probing questions that's gonna help you to identify your idols and start that process. Because until you know what they are, um, it can hard. Because remember, we have a father, a father who loves to give us good gifts, amen? He does, he does. And hopefully those good gifts will catapult you to worship him. But unfortunately, sometimes those good gifts become the, an idol. They just do. And so um, this uh, point of application should help. So you're gonna take kind of a worship assessment. You're gonna take kind of a worship assessment. So um, during times of pressure and leisure, um, we're gonna piggyback on the stewardship journal, grab a piece of paper, a pen, a t laptop, tablet, whatever way that you record your thoughts, and start jotting down all 
your kind of go-tos during life's pressures? What are the things you go to for comfort um, when life pressures are on? Um, when times are good, what are the things you go to? And jot them all down. Just jot them all down. Remember, hey, some of them are good gifts and they've always, you've kept them in there in their rightful place, right? And then some of them, they become an idol, okay? And so this sheet will help you to assess those creature converts to see if they've replaced the creator in Christ. Does that make sense? So um, then after you've identified them, take the next week and replace those things with the creator in Christ. So when you're feeling the pressure's on or there's leisure, I want you to go to God instead. You can go to God in prayer, right? Um, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. You can read scripture. You can do meditation. If there's anyone here that wants to know how to do biblical meditation, please come to me afterwards. It's so much better than Eastern meditation, okay? Biblical meditation is the filling of our mind with God's truths, right? It's an anchor for our souls. And so um, memorization, um, I guarantee you, if you guys spent a whole week finding rest in the creator instead of creation, none of y'all will regret doing that. You'll not come back and be like, that was a colossal waste of time. You're gonna, you're gonna feel refreshed. You're gonna be like, man, I feel like I'm in camp and I'm like on a mountaintop. This is amazing, you know? And so I wanna encourage you guys because you will not regret it, okay? So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, what does God want to use to nurture a child's obedience? And it is the pious priorities of parents, okay? The passion pursuit of parents. The spiritual training of children starts first with parents prioritizing him. More things are caught than taught, John MacArthur said, okay? They're watching. And if they see you have a passionate, lively faith in Jesus, um, I'm telling you, um, it, is, it is effectual. So the second part of today's, uh, tonight's sermon, the content, spiritual training. So what is the content? So we're gonna do spiritual training uh, for parents. So what are the content? Words, you wanna promote three things. You wanna promote, um, in spiritual training, you wanna promote promises of God, you wanna promote personal relationship with Christ, and you wanna promote a preference of the creator over the corrupted world, okay? Verse six, it says here, and these words I've commanded to you today should be on your heart. So what is the content? We see these words, or what are these words? Well, there's 613 commands in Deuteronomy. So you can take these words and, and, and boil it down to two. Boil it down to two. Love the Lord your God with all, with your all in all, and love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So you can boil it all down to that. You want to love God, you want to love like God, and you want to be like God. You want to love God, you want to love like God, and you want to be uh, like God, okay? The more you reflect him in your attitudes and actions, the more that you reflect who he is to this lost and dying world, the more you're gonna look like stars that shine in this crooked, depraved generation, right? That means bringing glory to God. That's what it means to bring glory to God. You wanna bring glory to God? Look more like Jesus, right? Look more like Jesus. So you can take all the content and we're gonna, we're gonna look at 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 to look at these three kinds of content. Promises of God, a personal relationship with Christ, preference for the creator, okay? So 2 Peter 3, one through, uh, 2 Peter 1, verse three to four. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own, own glory and excellencies, by which he has granted us this great and precious promises so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the, wor the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desires. So the, the content that you're gonna entrust your kids in your spiritual journey promotes those three things, right? Promises of God's word. Well, those great and precious promises, where are we gonna find that? God's word, right? So God's word is, is the one thing you wanna impart. Number two, notice here it says 
um, who is called, he said, through the knowledge of him. That word knowledge, epigenosis in the Greek, means um, a subjective, personal type of knowing. The way I know my wife, right? The way I know my best friend. It's like this personal, intimate knowledge. But then look, it says here, um, uh, knowledge, so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, amen? Amen. So thankful it's a relationship. I used to be Roman Catholic, and I was unregenerate Roman Catholic, exhausting myself by doing good works. And when I found out that, wow, that it's a relationship, it was amazing. It was, a, it was amazing, okay? So, um, so, so how should the rubber meets the road? If I have a personal relationship with Jesus, then guess what? I'm escaping this world corrupted by lustful desires. You see that? So in the spiritual training, you want to impart these things. Okay, so that is the content. This is now leads us to the last part of today's lesson. Okay, the carry through. The carry through. So we talked about how the Lord wants to use parents' pious priorities, putting Christ first, putting Christ first in the way that they cherish him, um, the way that they make choices, the way that they're safeguarding their heart from idols, right? Um, and so here are three practical ways, three practical ways to, um, to do this spiritual training, right? To impart those three things. So the first one is a formal God moment. So you want to share God's word once a week. Share God's word once a week. So guardians, parents, so you want to simply ask someone in your family, hey, will you please grab the scriptures, open it, and read it? I recommend if you want a place to start, start in the Gospel of John. It's a great gospel that reiterates the gospel, right? Well, guess what? I do baby dedications every single month at our church. We have so many young families. So we have about 2,000 people, 75% fall into my ministry between birth and graduation. We got... Literally, we do about seven to, to, to nine baby dedications a month, and what I do is I'll have a brunch before the baby dedication, and the whole point is so I can give them some low-hanging fruit, like what I'm giving you guys today, okay? And I try to tell them, guess what? If you're a new parent and you just have a baby, start the rhythm now. Start the rhythm now. Grab a child's Bible and just start reading. You can do it if you're pregnant and you're here and you're pregnant. You can start doing now. Just get used to just reading to your baby. It's an amazing thing, okay? And you get into that rhythm and reading, and when they start understanding, guess what? It's gonna be so familiar to hear you, you as leading them, putting the priority of Jesus before them, giving them God's word. So you can start that now. Start reading to them. And then as they get older, you can just add to that. You're gonna share one thing about God, one thing about them, and one thing about their place in the world, okay? And then if the text allows, okay? But you just wanna share one thing, and then you can keep growing on those things from one thing to two things, right? And then even as they get older, so my daughter's at this point where she's preparing for adolescence, and so we're talking about the identity of Christ. So we're adding what it means to have an identity in Christ, right? And so um, there should be another resource that, um, that Pastor Steve uh, act, let you guys have access to, and it's this right here, okay? It's a resource list. Okay, and so in here, there's milestones. So milestones are specific developmental stages in a child's life and resources for parents to start using. Start with the Bible, then you can start just adding to it. Okay, so right now, we're in milestone three, preparing for adolescence. So there's resources, um, lies little girls believe, right? Little helpful things like that that you can use, okay? And one thing that I didn't mention before is there's a book you can get 
that will talk about, hey, at these, develop, at these uh, specific milestones, this is what's happening developmentally. I don't get anything from recommending this book, but the joy that if you take it and, and you read it and you apply it, you're gonna have so much fun leading your family. Because remember, there's nothing better in life than the king and his kingdom and leading your family to Jesus. There's nothing better than that. So this book will help talk about the specific what's going on in these milestones, okay? And so, um, so that is the formal God moment. So remember, as parents, just shoot for three weekly family God moments. If you wanna do more, awesome, okay? But just, just make it easy, start, 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 baby steps, okay? The second thing you wanna do, if we're gonna bring a personal relationship, we're gonna bring the personal presence of God in their lives, you got to bring Jesus where rubber meets the road, okay? So the first one is a caring God moment, okay? Caring God moment. So even if you have a baby, you can start getting used to this rhythm. Every time they cry, you can start telling them something about God. You're gonna bring God into that moment of pain. How? When they start crying, you can say, God cares about your care because he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7. And you can ask him, you know how much he cares for you? John 3, 16. He loved you so much he sent Jesus suffer and die for you so that all those who believe in him will not perish by everlasting life. That's how much he cares about you, you know? That's how much he cares about you. Do you see that? You're associating their care, their pain with God, with Jesus. You're giving him his word. You're giving them the gospel. And Lord willing, they will get saved, okay? And Lord willing, they'll get saved in time. And then you can add to that. Okay, they're, they're, they're struggling with bullying. Well, guess what? There's resources for that. They're struggling with this. There's resources for that. There's all these different resources, and you can start building on it, but at least you're starting to interject a personal aspect of God where the rubber meets the road, that during times of pressure, they know God cares. They know God cares. And another thing you're doing is that you're associating in their brain that when they're hurting, you're an ally. You're a help, right? That you're repping the God of all comfort to bring them comfort, Okay? that's gonna go a long way when typically when kids pull away, they're gonna stay close to you because they know, hey, anytime I've had pain, I know who to go to for comfort, see that? And then they will then in turn and be a comfort for others. Isn't that amazing? We receive comfort so we can comfort others. Nothing better than the king and his kingdom and being a part of that. But that's a caring God moment, okay? And the second, the last thing that we're gonna do is a joyful God moment, okay? And we're about to do an exercise uh, that's gonna be really great. And um, parents, I, I ask permission from your pastors that this is okay. Okay, so, um, so, but you wanna do a joyful God moment. So you wanna do a formal God moment, you wanna do a caring God moment, and you wanna do a joyful God moment, okay? So that, uh, the way you can impart a personal relationship with Christ is to involve, involve God during times of happiness, during times of leisure. They can see that it's a good thing uh, to bring God during good times. We want kids to see that God is a good father who loves to give good gifts. He's not some cosmic buzzkill, okay? He's not, he's not at all, okay? He is holy and he's almighty, but he loves to give good gifts to his kids. All good gifts come our Father of Heavenly Lives, okay? So um, when children, um, when, when they're babies, when they're getting older and you're feeding them milk or their favorite baby food or their favorite dessert, you can start bringing in the Lord into that. And so we're gonna do an actual exercise now, okay? So parents, um, if you can, help me to keep the kids 
from opening the gift that we're gonna give them until the right time, okay? And um, if any of your kids have a nut allergy, well, please be discerning and all the more make sure they don't just open it quick and just eat it, okay? So, so being that, okay? So, um, but I wanna give you all an actual example of how to do a joyful God moment, okay? And so, um, uh, Jade, would you mind coming up here? So we have um, candy and chocolate. Again, we're Filipino, okay? So uh, we don't apologize for it. And so we make sugar a priority, okay? We just do that, okay? So my daughter will hand out, if you're a candy person, this is a blow pop, it's got gum inside, okay? And then if you're a chocolate person, you got that too. If, hey, parents, if they did really awesome this school year and you wanna reward them with both, I'm gonna leave that up to you guys. The only thing I'm asking for parents to do is just make sure they do not open it until um, I give the say because we're gonna use it as an exercise. Okay, so all the kids are welcome to come up here um, if your parents allow, and you guys can get either a chocolate or uh, candy or both. Okay. <laughs> and even adults, if y'all want some candy and chocolate, because <laughs> we got a lot there. <laughs> So remember, kiddos, just don't open it yet, but don't worry, I won't make you wait too long, okay? We're about two minutes left, so. <laughs> okay, so while they're getting that, I'm gonna speak to the parents, okay? So, um, while you're watching your child, your baby, and they're eating that food and they're really enjoying it, you're looking for the moment where you can tell, wow, their emotions are involved. This tastes really good, okay? And at the height when it, like, it tastes really good, that's where then we're gonna give an example of how to interject a, a personal aspect of Christ into that, okay? <laughs> awesome. Okay, kiddos, once you have your, um, your, your, your candy or chocolate, raise them up in the air. Raise them up in the air. You got it? Okay, you got it. Now the only thing that I ask for is this, okay? Here's the only thing I ask for. After I say go and open it and start enjoying it, there's the only one thing I ask from you guys, okay? Right when it starts tasting really good, I want you to shoot your hands up in the air, okay? I want you to shoot your hands up straight in the air, okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so if everyone's ready, okay, go. Open and enjoy. Okay, good. Wow, we got already some. Well, look at that. We got some. Okay, now I'm gonna be talking to the kids now, okay? Kiddos, can y'all hear me? Okay. So, um, kids, did you know that the reason why that that tastes good is because you, we have a good God? Does that make sense? That goodness you're enjoying reflects that we have a good God and that he loves to give good gifts to his children. Does that make sense? So I want you to always remember that, that the Lord loves you and he cares about you. And he just wants you to say thank you. He just wants you to say thank you and acknowledge that, okay? And so um, all good gifts come from our Father of Heavenly Light, James 1.17. So those are three low-hanging fruits that you can start building on, okay? Then we always try to do, when we celebrate Christmas and we're doing Easter, every time there's a gift, we always ask our daughter, hey, out of all the different, out of all the gifts you can get, what is the best gift you can possibly get? And if you remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you only knew the gift of God that's before you, you would ask him for a drink. Jesus is the greatest treasure. There's nothing better than him, okay? So 
the highest priorities of parents, that's gonna be the source, according to Deuteronomy 6, for your parent, for your kids to come to know him and to obey him, okay? And so, and this is the three God moments. So if you have any questions uh, about any of this, um, please come to me, I'll be in the front. Um, um, I'm gonna close our time in prayer and then, um, and then we'll have some folks that are gonna finish the rest of our time. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we just praise you and thank you that you are our Father who is good and you love to give us good gifts. First and foremost is Jesus. Lord, we thank you for giving us him. And then we thank you for giving us good gifts within creation. And Lord, we pray that all the good gifts that you have blessed us and you have blessed us so much, we pray that we won't forget you. We pray, Lord, that we will enjoy those gifts as a catapult to worshiping you. Lord, that we will um, always keep you the priority, that we'll make those choices to keep you as, as, um, as first in our life. Lord, that we will safeguard this treasure from idols. So give us, Lord, um, grace to identify when those creature comforts have become that. Because Lord, we just want you. We want to say like the psalmist, we have nothing but you. And that's all our heart desires. And we know, Lord, that our hearts, our hearts are restless, like St. Augustine said, and that our hearts will remain restless until it finds rest in you. So I pray, Lord, for every family here that you would give them your rest. We pray that you would give them the rest. We pray that this um, summer would be a time for kids to come to know you. We pray that this would be the time for family discipleship to start happening. We pray that this would be the summer where parents who have never even thought about the joys of leading and discipling their kids, Lord, that you would just ignite them for that. And so we pray for these families that you would protect them. We pray that you would protect them from the enemy and the flesh and evil men and women. We pray you'd bless them. And everyone here who doesn't have a family, Lord, who's not married, um, who don't have children, Lord, we pray you'd bless them with the church. We pray you'd bless them with a spouse. That's godly. We pray you'd bless them with children. That's the things that they want. But Lord, we pray that you would most importantly bless them with Jesus Christ, Lord, and that they would love the king and that the kingdom would be their family, Lord, and that they would grow more in love with the body of Christ and see that they have a purpose in that. And so thank you, Lord, again um, for this time. And we pray that you would be glorified in all that we do. Amen.